Uh, well, with that, um, I have the privilege, as always, to bring us God's Word today. Uh, if you have a Bible, um, we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 11, and then we're going to jump down to verses 27 to 31. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11, and 27 to 31. Um, if you can choose your translation, I'm going to be reading the NIV, and you'll also see it um, on the screen behind me. This is the reading of God's Word. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Another, to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as he determines. Again, okay, we're going to jump down to verses 27 to 31. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Amen. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. May I convey, um, may everything that comes out of my mouth uh, be from your heart and be from your mouth. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, if you're new to Citizens, uh, we are deep in a series um, on the Holy Spirit. We honestly could have made this a year-long series, uh, but the goal of this series has been twofold. Okay, one, uh, it has been for us to be able to demystify this often forgotten member of the Trinity, um, to unpack what Scripture has to say about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does, and there's a lot the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit. But secondly, and maybe more importantly, uh, we as a church uh, want to begin to open ourselves up to the Spirit's ongoing work in our lives and in the world, to really experience His power and His presence in a tangible way. And, and this is new territory for a lot of us, myself included, um, as someone who was trained and formed in what I would call kind of like a Western scholastic spirituality, where all the emphasis uh, was on um, knowing the right things about God, about content and doctrine and information, um, a, a kind of spirituality that sometimes even mocks or looks down on other streams or other faith traditions um, that seek to be attuned to the Holy Spirit. 
um, I realize that I've been often guilty of doing what the Apostle Paul warns against in 1 Thessalonians 5 when he says, do not quench the Spirit. He says, do not neglect the Spirit. Do not restrain the Spirit from doing what He does. Um, you know, because I think for a lot of us, because we don't understand um, the Holy Spirit, we don't really kind of, or we're not familiar with it, or maybe because some of us have experienced some hurt um, because of the way language around the Spirit has been misused in the churches uh, we've attended in the past. I think a lot of times we've just kind of ignored the Spirit altogether. But let me just say this. Without the Holy Spirit, everything we're doing right now is meaningless. Without the Holy Spirit, this is just a glorified TED Talk. Without the Holy Spirit, praise is just good live music. Without the Holy Spirit, your small group is literally just that, just a small gathering of people. We need the Holy Spirit to take all of these things and to revive our souls. It is the Holy Spirit who brings dry bones to life. It's the Holy Spirit to, that transforms our hearts and our minds to look like Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that wakes us up to the work God is doing all around us. And today we're talking about an aspect of the Holy Spirit that I think comes with a lot of baggage, uh, especially if you've grown up in the church or you've been around church for any length of time. And today we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts. Okay, and you can, again, you could do an entire series uh, just on spiritual gifts. You know, I could do an entire sermon just on the gift of prophecy or the gift of tongues. Um, but actually in the spring... Um, we're going to be doing a spiritual gifts course at our church where we're going to do kind of a deeper dive into all the different kinds of gifts of the Spirit, how they work together in the church. Um, but in general, there's just so much confusion around this topic, um, specifically with regard to the more supernatural gifts, also known as the more charismatic gifts, gifts like speaking of tongues, um, gifts like healing, prophecy, miracles, um, and, and all of these have been kind of a source of a lot of division in the church. You know, and so you have some churches who kind of stay away from the supernatural gifts altogether. Uh, you have some churches who have fully embraced the supernatural gifts and regularly practice them in their weekly Sunday worships. Um, you have some churches like ours where even if you move a little bit to the right and to the left, people are like, ooh, sister, you know, you, you feeling something today? You know, it's like, I mean, we got churches like, we're like the frozen, frozen chosen, okay? And so like, um, people are on all different kind of ends of the spectrum. And, you know, I mentioned this a few weeks ago that in middle school and high school, I attended like a very charismatic church. Um, that was like really into these supernatural gifts, right? Uh, everyone spoke in tongues. In fact, they said that if you didn't speak in tongues, that um, you weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, every week, you know, people on my left and right would be falling over. There was always someone running around the sanctuary in circles. Um, I remember my first week there, the pastor came up and said, you know, I had a sermon prepared, but as I was on my way to the bathroom the Holy Spirit spoke to me in an audible voice, and he gave me a different text to preach. And so I'm just going to preach that text, and I'm just going to preach this off the cuff. The sermon was like two and a half hours long, and it was really bad, okay? Um, like my, my second week there, um, I remember, and keep in mind, this is like junior high high schoolers, okay? My second week there, 
a high school senior came up to me and she said, you know, I don't really know you that well, but I really feel like the Holy Spirit has given me a word for your sister. And I was like, I don't have a sister. And, and she was like, no, no, must be a, a sister in Christ, okay? And I was like, I, I don't know about this, you know? And so, um, to be honest, like, because of experience like, experiences like these, I've been very closed to the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, but more recently, um, I really feel like God has been healing me of a lot of this baggage, um, especially in the past few years, I feel like God has really opened my eyes um, to become more open to the work of the Holy Spirit, um, especially through the pandemic and in this role, I can tell you that I've seen and experienced miracles. I've experienced supernatural things that I really truly believe that cannot be explained other than as works of the Holy Spirit. And so hopefully this series has been healing for all of us um, as a church, especially for those of us who kind of come into this with a lot of preconceived notions ourselves. Um, and so, um, you know, all that to say, I just hope, like our hope from the beginning was that at the end of this, our church would become just more open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our midst, okay? Now, if you're new to Christianity and you have no idea what I'm talking about, you're like tongues, prophecy, healing, like what the heck is all this about? That's okay. You know, you're probably better off for it. Um, you can just email Pastor DC this week with all your questions, okay? Um, and he'll answer all your questions. But again, uh, we're going to cover all of this um, in our spiritual gifts course in the spring. But today, I felt like it would be important for, for us to just at least take a step back, zoom out a little bit, and, and, uh, and just get a little bit more of a general framework to help us think about what the gifts of the Spirit are and why they've been given to us, okay? For a little bit of context of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is writing this letter to a church that's experiencing a lot of division and infighting, particularly because of the use of spiritual gifts, okay? So the good news is this isn't just a modern problem. The early church was dealing with this stuff as well, okay? Now, their problem was the opposite of the problem we have. Their problem was that their corporate gatherings were starting to get out of control, okay, because you had all these people speaking in tongues, nobody was understanding what anyone was saying, and Paul kind of has to step in and say, look, hey, exercising all these spiritual gifts, this is great, like I'm glad you're doing it, but I think you've forgotten what the end goal is and why you have these gifts to begin with, okay? Now, along with the text we're looking at today, there are multiple passages throughout the New Testament that talk about spiritual gifts, and a simple working definition for those of you who aren't familiar with this phrase would be that spiritual gifts are basically just specific abilities given to every believer by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of building his church, this body who together bears witness to the person and work of Jesus Christ, okay? So you can think about it like this. When Jesus was here on earth, he did a lot of things. He fed people, he prayed for people, he healed people, um, he performed miracles, he cultivated community. He was the kingdom of God walking around in the flesh. And the idea is that when you and I profess faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit who empowered Jesus to do all those things, now lives in us. 
and now gives us the ability to do those same things, to become like Jesus in the world we live in, to show up like Jesus in our homes, workplaces, schools, and relationships, okay? Now, one person obviously doesn't have all the gifts, as we just read. Some have the gift of wisdom. Some have the gift of knowledge. Some have the gift of prophecy. It even says there's a gift of miraculous powers, okay? I always wanted the gift of miraculous powers, okay? But the point is that a community of people exercising their individual gifts becomes this collective manifestation of the kingdom of God in the world, okay? On a basketball team, you can't have five centers, right? You can't have five shacks, right? I mean, you can, but you would never win any games, okay? A good basketball team is a team where everybody understands what they're good at, what they bring to the table, knows what role they play, and they're all working together with a shared purpose toward a common goal, right? Are you a playmaker? Are you a defender, a shooter? The worst thing that could happen is when people try to be what they're not. And what, Apostle Paul, what the Apostle Paul is giving us is showing us the church as a body, different people entrusted with different gifts of the Spirit working together in harmony for the common good. So you see this convergence of diversity and unity all throughout the text. Um, first, uh, you know, you see there, it says there in verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, diversity, but the same Spirit distributes them, unity. There are different kinds of service, diversity, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, diversity, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work, unity. And what this means is that a musician, a consultant, a stay-at-home parent can all reflect the same God just in different ways. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful idea knowing that we have been gifted in different ways, that we have different abilities, that the Holy Spirit has given to all of us something unique for us to partner with him in his redeeming work in the world. We just wrapped up a four-week learning community around the Enneagram. And one of the first things you realize when you do any kind of work uh, in the Enneagram is just how differently people see and experience the world. Right? And part of the gift of the Enneagram is not only learning how to be grateful for the unique way you've been created um, and the unique way God wants to partner with you, but also learning to appreciate the uniqueness of others. Right? Understanding how much we need each other. Starting to see how every number in its own way embodies something beautiful about the one who created us. Like if everybody was a type 9 like me and type 9s, we can't make decisions, we would never eat. Because everyone would just be like, what do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I'm, I'm done with whatever you want to eat. Right? We would never eat. We need each other. Right? Now, the list of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 isn't an exhaustive list, and we know this because we have different sets of lists that come out in different parts of the New Testament, right? 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, Romans 12. You can go look those up later, but you get everything from teaching to evangelism to hospitality to administration, right? I definitely do not have the gift of administration. Our staff 
can tell you that, but thank God for all of the ISTJ type A people in the world who, who fix like all of our problems one Excel sheet at a time. You know, we have staff members who like they get excited when they see pivot tables and I'm like, I don't get it. I don't see the world that way. But thank God there are people in the world who have those spiritual gifts. And the bottom line is that every believer has at least one spiritual gift because every believer has the Holy Spirit residing inside them. And it's such a profound thought to think that the Holy Spirit at this very moment is working in you to uncover a unique gift or set of gifts that he wants to use to bless those around you in a way that only you can. You see, two people can have the gift of teaching, but those gifts are never going to manifest the same way because those people have different personalities, they have different backgrounds, experiences, you know, they have like different quirks. They have different things that allow the Spirit to use that gift of teaching in a very unique way. You know, when I first started preaching, um, I tried to mimic all my heroes. I wanted to do everything I could to imitate them and be just like them. And it was frustrating because I could never preach like them. And this is something that I'm still working through, but over time I realize that the goal is not for me to become like someone else. The goal is for me to discover my own voice, to become more comfortable in my own skin, understanding that God has created me to teach in a very specific way to specific kinds of people. And all of us need to grasp this, that essentially who you are right now is a gift to the world. And the Holy Spirit in his creativity has plans to let your story and life speak in ways you could never imagine, okay? Now, a few quick caveats. Number one, I think we often equate spiritual gifts with skill or talent, okay? Like if a person is good at something, we automatically say, oh, they must have that spiritual gift, okay? And that's only partially true. Okay? Yes, the Holy Spirit can use or repurpose a skill set that we have, but the Holy Spirit can also give us a new skill set altogether. And what we have to understand is that to exercise a spiritual gift is to literally partner with the Holy Spirit to do things that go beyond human imagination and skill. And I want to make this distinction because, for example, there are a lot of great communicators out there. There are people who probably could objectively craft a better sermon uh, than I could, than Pastor DC could, who could give you the three points, who could give you solid exegesis, a great intro, a great conclusion, riveting examples and illustrations. And yet, if the Holy Spirit is not working through that gift, you do not have the spiritual gift of preaching. The Holy Spirit has to do the work of transforming our hearts, reaching in and setting our hearts on fire. And on the flip side, I think a lot of times we can believe we don't possess a spiritual gift because we don't think we're skilled enough by the world's metrics. Like you may think, well, there's no way I have the spiritual gift of leadership because I've never led, um, you know, I've never led in any vocational setting. I've never led a Fortune 500 company. What do you mean I have the spiritual gift of leadership? And yet everywhere you go, people ask you to lead. Everywhere you go, people are saying how much they're blessed by your leadership. And so there's not always this one-to-one -one correlation. I want to make that distinction. And at the end of the day, what we have to realize is that all spiritual gifts, everything on this list is a gift of grace. We can't earn them. 
We don't deserve them. We can't work for them. We can't merit them. They're not a reward for good things that we do. They're not a reward for maturity. They are gifts given to us by God to build the church. Now, the second caveat I want to make is that there's also not a one-to-one -one correlation between spiritual gifts and vocation, because we do that a lot too. Like we think, okay, if I have the gift of teaching, I have to go be a teacher, right? Or if I have the gift of hospitality, I have to go work in the hospitality industry. And it's always amazing when your vocation aligns with your spiritual gifts, but I think the mindset can be dangerous because it makes you convince yourself that you need to be in a certain profession to exercise your spiritual gifts. It makes you feel like, oh, well, you know, I'm not able to like do what God has called me to do because I'm not in a vocation that allows me to exercise these gifts, rather than to see your vocation as an opportunity to bring your gifts to bear on all the spaces you inhabit. The Holy Spirit can bring your gift of hospitality to a vocation that may not naturally lend itself to hospitality. The Holy Spirit can bring your creative gifts to an industry that is not inherently creative. Okay, so we need to make that distinction, which then lends itself to the big question, how do you then discern what your spiritual gift or gifts are? And I would love for everyone in this room to start to do this work of asking ourselves, what is the spiritual gift or set of gifts the Holy Spirit has given to me in a way that only he can to express in a way that only I can because of my unique background, experiences, personality, disposition, way of, you know, life stage, season of life. And I'm going to give you, I'm, I want to give us something very practical because I know that a lot of times discerning what our spiritual gifts are can, like people can be like, do I just like pray for it and will the Holy Spirit just tell me? I think one very practical way is to find where your affinity meets affirmation, okay? Where your affinity meets affirmation. And let me explain that. The first question you should ask yourself is, what are my affinities? What does my heart naturally pull me toward? Is there something I naturally love doing? Or when I look around at the church or the world, is there a need or a cause or a task or a group of people I feel particularly drawn to? Or is there a particular problem you always seem to notice or a particular angst you always feel, right? Maybe you're the type of person who always notices when people are excluded or alone. Like in every space you inhabit, you realize your eyes just naturally gravitate to the person standing by themselves. That may be connected to your spiritual gift, right? Maybe you just love brainstorming new initiatives. Maybe you're very entrepreneurial by your nature. You love coming up with creative solutions to problems. A lot of times, that is connected to your spiritual gifts. So first, we have to ask ourselves, what is our affinity? How do I feel like I'm naturally wired as a result of my background, experiences, education, etc.? But then step two is that you have to take all of this and ask yourself, is my affinity then affirmed by my community? Right? What do the people around me say or what do they not say? 
How do people experience me? How do people encourage me? Is there a theme in my life? Like people are always telling me, like, wow, your attention to detail and organization, it's incredible. Thank you. Or are they telling me, wow, I'm so glad you were a part of that conversation. You have this ability to listen. Like I love you have this ability to raise questions that nobody thought of. And this is where we have to really learn to be honest with ourselves and have the humility to ask people what they think. Or else we will always think our spiritual gift is whatever we love to do. Okay? Like you may love to sing and you think you go because you go to karaoke, you're like pretty good. Right? But if nobody in the church has ever been like, have you ever thought about like joining the praise team? You know, maybe rethink that. Right? Um, like, you know, you may love to teach, but it's like every time you teach anything, like people's eyes glaze over while you're teaching, you know, maybe rethink that, right? It doesn't mean you can't grow in a gift, right? Because, you know, like all of us, I mean, just like the body, right? Just like muscles, we have to grow in these things, but your community should also affirm that potential for growth as well. And the implication of this is twofold, okay? One, as believers, we should be regularly discerning the work of the Spirit in our lives. We should be regularly asking this question. Like, huh, in this season of my life, what am I primed to do? What am I naturally pulled towards? And what, what does my community affirm me in? Like, we should regularly be asking that. But two, we should regularly be calling out the work of the Spirit in other people's lives as well. We don't do that enough as a community where we say, hey, has anyone told you that you're such an excellent encourager and listener? Have you ever considered leading a small group? Because I think, like, so many people would benefit from a leader like you. When's the last time you went up to one of our worship leaders and said, thank you, because every time you lead worship, I feel more connected to God. It, I, I, I'm so thankful for your gift. We need to learn how to celebrate and honor other people's gifts as well. And it's this picture of a community building each other up. And I really think this is a spiritual practice, right? Because every time we honor and celebrate someone else's gift, it's actually a really freeing feeling because you realize, hey, you're not all that. And you can't carry the weight of the world on your own shoulders and you can't do everything in the church. We need each other, and when we celebrate and honor other people's gifts, we learn to embrace our limitations, to lean into our strengths, and to admit that we need each other to be the church God has called us to be, okay? Now, I'm not just talking about the institution of the church, lowercase c, okay? Like when we hear Paul use the language of building up the body, sometimes we think he's talking about the church as an institution. No. He's talking about the church as the people of God, right? Churches, for some reason, we do this weird thing where we think if you have the gift of hospitality, you have to serve in our hospitality ministry, right? And the person is like, I actually own a coffee shop, right? Um, like, we think that if you are creative, you have to serve in our church's, like, media ministry, right? And it's like, no, like, the church, lowercase c, has this, like, has this tendency to hoard resources, to hoard people's spiritual gifts, and sometimes cannibalizes itself by telling people who are already exercising their spiritual gifts and trying to make them do it for the institution. 
Okay, it's like you have, a, if you have someone you meet who's leading a company of 200 employees, and we're like, you're such a great leader. You have the spiritual gift of leadership. Why don't you quit your job and come work for the church? It's like, no, keep leading. Keep leading well and embody Christ in all the spaces you inhabit. Stay there. If you're creative, keep being creative. Make beautiful music and art that brings people joy. Okay? Now, that being said, to go to two services, we do need help in our hospitality ministry and media team, okay? So, you know, like, go to our Instagram bio and, and sign up, you know, great way to serve, okay? But ultimately, all of us are equipped by the Spirit and sent out to the world not to serve ourselves, not to grow our own kingdoms and castles, not to uh, do things for our own benefit, we are equipped and sent out by the Spirit to empty ourselves for the sake of others. Paul in verse 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And he needs to say this explicitly because this church he's writing to has taken all of these gifts, taken these good gifts that the Spirit has given to this church for the purpose of building up the body, and they've used it as a way to puff themselves up. They've used it as a way to show people how spiritual they are, to show people how mature they are. And in the end, the spiritual gifts have become the end and not the means. They've become the end all be all. And when we make spiritual gifts the end all be all, one of two things happen. One, we only elevate people in the church who we perceive to be gifted in certain ways, right? Because we subconsciously, subconsciously assume that they have the favor of God on them, right? And this is where you get celebrity pastors, where people are more enamored by their gifts than they are by the God who gave those gifts to them. And I don't have to explain what happens when that happens, okay? But the second thing that happens when we make spiritual gifts the end-all be-all is that we start to look at other people in the church who we perceive to be more talented, more gifted, and more influential than we are, and we get bitter. Because we're like, God, why them and not me? What the heck? Why do they get those gifts, but I don't? But you see, what Paul is stressing here is that the gifts of the Spirit were never meant to be an end in and of themselves. They were meant to be the means to an end. They were meant to be the tool to help us love the way Christ loved. I think it's very telling that you have 1 Corinthians 12, which is all about spiritual gifts. You have 1 Corinthians 14, which is all about the gift of prophecy and tongues, but sandwiched right in between is 1 Corinthians 13, which is all about love. It's all about love. In fact, at the very last verse of 1 Corinthians 12, after Paul gets through talking about all these different gifts and how wonderful they are, he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet, and yet, I will show you the most excellent way. I like the way the New Living Translation puts it. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but, big but, now let me show you a way of life. That is best of all. And then he goes on to say, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 
if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul says, what point is it to be the best basketball player on your team if you can't win any games? It doesn't matter if you have all the gifts in the world. If you do not have love, you have nothing. It's better to serve and to love than to be gifted and not serve anyone. You know, when I was in college, I got to college. I used to be a worship leader, um, you know, in my youth group. And I thought, you know, I was so good at music. And so you think you're this hot shot. You get to college. And I went to my church fellowship, campus fellowship. You know, the first week, I noticed that the praise band was a little rough, you know. And I was like, I'm here, guys, you know. Um, you know, I've uh, been playing guitar for a while. Um, you know, I think, you know, and I, I go up to the pastor and I say, hey, like, you know, if you need any help, you know, put me in, coach, right? Um, you know, and, you know, I kind of went up there and, you know, and, you know, thank God, because I met a mentor who was overseeing the worship ministry at the time, and he says, great. You want to worship? You, you want to be on the team? Love it. He had me come on. First week, I brought my guitar. It was a Friday night, and he said, oh, you don't need your guitar. Um, why don't you just come, come, and, um, you know, can you actually, like, put those speakers on the stands? And I was like, all right. All right, cool. I got it, you know. Um, put the speakers on the stands. And he was like, can you actually set up the cables? And I was, I was like, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I got it. Cables, you know, still like kind of eyeing my guitar. Um, and the band starts practicing. And I'm still in the front row like, all right, I'm here, right? One year, all I did was move equipment. I came at, in the early afternoon and left that night. And all I did was move equipment. And middle of the year, I went up to him and I said, hey, like, you know, I don't, maybe, maybe I, I forgot to tell you, like, I, I play guitar, you know? And he was like, he was like, Jason, um, and I'll never forget this. He said, Jason, I can see that you're gifted, but you will never be able to use your spiritual gifts until you realize that you don't need your spiritual gifts to serve and love other people. And he said, you're doing well. Keep going. By the end of the year, and, and I'm, I'm eternally grateful for this mentor because by the end of the year, to be honest, I could care less if I was playing on the worship team. Uh, you know, that's back when we had transparencies. So I was like the transparency machine guy. And I was like, I love doing this transparency. I was worshiping the Lord, right? And I still remember that Friday night. He was like, he was like hey, grab your guitar. Let's play. And to be honest, I could care less about it at that point. And over time, what God has, God has really reminded me of that, even, if I, even in my current role right now. Every week I have to ask myself, if today God had you lay down your position, your title, your leadership, and just do nothing, and just sit there for, the sake, for his sake and for the sake of others, could you do it? 
And that should be the question we're all asking all the time. And it seems weird that in a sermon around spiritual gifts, that at the end of the day, you would say that ultimately the spiritual gifts don't matter. But this is what Paul is getting at. He gets through talking about how amazing spiritual gifts are, how they're such an incredible gift given to us by the Holy Spirit to build the church. But he said, at the end of the day, what really matters is love. And over time, I've remembered what my mentor has said, and I would add one more thing to what he said. We will never be able to use our spiritual gifts unless we learn uh, that we don't need our spiritual gifts to serve and lo love others. And I would add this. And we will never be able to serve and love others for the long haul unless we allow Jesus to serve us. How do we get to the place where we give all of who we are to God's service, to give all of who we are, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of others? We look at Christ. We look at Jesus, the one who was by very nature God, who had every resource at his disposal, and yet, as Philippians 2 reminds us, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be taken advantage of, something to be exploited, but instead made himself nothing by taking on the form of a servant and humbling himself and by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Sometimes when I think, like, I imagine, like, if I was Jesus walking here on the earth, I would be like, and you're healed, and you're healed, and you're healed. You know, feed the 5,000, let's feed the 10,000, right? I, I would use all my powers to bring the attention to myself, and Jesus could have done that because he was God. He could have used all his power and his abilities for his own gain. He had all the ability in the world to destroy all his enemies and to hoard power for himself. In fact, his own people encouraged him to do so, and yet he uses everything he has not to elevate himself, but to elevate others. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The more we connect ourselves to Jesus and his life, the more we make room for the Holy Spirit to cultivate Christ's life in us. And so, of course, the first question is how do we start to discern what spiritual gifts we have? But really, honestly, the point of today and the point of this passage, more importantly, is how are you using that gift, whatever it is, to love and serve others the way Christ loved and served us. Today, the Holy Spirit invites us to open our eyes to see what he wants us to do in us and through us. Let's pray. As the band comes back up, I just want you to take a moment. And ask the Spirit to bring to mind maybe one person, a group of people, uh, a task, a, a problem, a cause that maybe you feel burdened about. And ask the Holy Spirit to bring that to the forefront now. And at the same time, maybe we can ask 
the Holy Spirit to show us how now we can use who we are by God's grace, how we can use all of the resources at our disposal to serve and love others. To live not for myself, not to hoard power or control, but to surrender and love others the way Christ loved us. Holy Spirit, thank you for this word today. When I think about our community, we just have so many gifted uh, people within our church. We have people who are movers and shakers in culture, in entertainment, in business, in tech. And, and, and sometimes I get excited thinking about um, what our city would look like if even the people in this room were mobilized, equipped, and empowered to use their gifts for the kingdom. But God, help us not to lose sight of love. I pray that before we even think about our gifts or what we bring to the table, cultivate in us a deep love for our brothers and sisters and cultivate in us a deep assurance of the love we have in Christ. And I pray that first, more than anything else, that in this room you would set on all of our hearts um, a deep awareness, a sensitivity, and aware, uh, a deep awareness and a sensitivity to how much you love us. And I pray that ultimately that would be the driving force that would propel us to love and serve others with whatever abilities, resources that we have. We thank you, God, for your grace, your mercy, your unfailing love and faithfulness in our lives. We ask that you continue to work in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.